Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. So this week, we're continuing with our September theme of planning, and I have brought on Claire Tanzi. She is Canada's master of mealtime. She is the author of two national bestsellers, Uncomplicated and Dinner Uncomplicated. She has been in the food business for over 20 years as a restaurant cook, night baker, test kitchen manager, and food critic. Okay, so She's kind of done the food industry, folks. (laughs) Along the way, she sang lead in a rock band. How cool. Rock on. Got a master's degree and was food director of Chatelaine. Claire is a guest expert on City Line and CBC Radio. And she runs a virtual cooking school where she inspires home cooks with easy, delicious recipes. Originally from Montreal, and yes, she does speak French. Claire lives in Toronto with her partner, Michael, who eats everything. And their son, Thomas, who does not. (laughs) So glad you're here. So glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. Love it. So for those who are like meals, food, cooking, Mm -hmm. how does that fit into September's theme of planning? Let's start here. Mm -hmm. Claire is a master of mealtime, which means she's a master of planning for meals. So Mm I'm going to let you just take it away and tell us <laughs> how you make sure that meal planning doesn't suck. <laughs> yes. Your words, your words. It, my words, because, well, because I came at this, I came into meal planning because it wasn't working for me. And as a food professional, you would think that making dinner every day should be easy, right? You'd think that it would be easy for me. But around the time that my son started getting a little bit older, he's 10 now. But as he was getting a little bit older, um, my first cookbook, Uncomplicated, was out. And I was hearing from the readers of Uncomplicated that the recipes that resonated the most with them were the recipes for easy weeknight dinners. Mm. So around that same time, I was starting to feel the crunch. You know, I run my own business, working parent, um, starting to feel that same daily pressure of, geez, we've got to eat dinner again? Like, again? Really? Got to cook again? Again? And so I thought, okay, well, there's got to be an easier way. And so I was trying to figure out what are the ways that you can de-stress dinner. And it was through that practice, that journey, that long 
time spent researching that I kept coming up against meal planning as being the solution to de-stressing dinner. But that made me really mad because I have tried meal planning before and it hasn't worked for me. I get angry at my meal plan. I'm the kind of person who I make the meal plan. And then on Thursday, I would be shouting at the piece of paper saying, you can't tell me what to do. I'm my own person. I'll make whatever I darn want. So I tried to figure out, okay, what is the solution to making meal planning actually suit your life? And what came out of that was not just my second cookbook, which is all about dinner. It's called Dinner Uncomplicated, but was also I developed a system that shows you there are five different ways of meal planning. We always sort of, sort of think of there's this one classic one, and I'll get into this if, if you like a little bit more, but there are actually four other ones. And depending on who you are, what your personality is like, what your family structure is like, what your work life is like, there is a different system that is actually going to feel liberating as opposed to repressive. And so that's how I came up with meal planning that doesn't suck. Okay. So (laughs) yeah, I totally want to hear the five different Mm -hmm. methods. And as you know, because we were talking before we started, I've sort of come up with my own method of meal planning. So I'm going to be very curious to hear where I fit in the five, if I fit at all. (laughs) I think I I have a suspicion because we've talked before. I have a suspicion about what you are, but let me just run through the five really quickly. And I do have a quiz. People can take it online if they want. It's free. You can find out what type you are. It's really easy. So there are five types. The first type is called the classic. So this is what we think of when we think of meal planning. So, you know, you basically plan out breakfast, lunch, dinner, side dishes for either a week, two weeks. I know people who do it for a month. They get the groceries in and then they just follow the plan. So that works for people whose life is fairly structured, who kind of thrive within that kind of organization. I mean, people like that, right? Um, So that's great. It's not me either. It's not me either. But I will tell you that even if that is your type of your classic, things can still go wrong. And we'll talk about that in a minute because there are still, you need to still have a backup plan. Right. So that's the classic works for some people, doesn't work for about 90% of people. So if you've ever tried that method and you have found it doesn't work for you, please don't feel alone. The second system, I call it the camper system. It's based on the model of summer camp where every day, has a theme. So we will have meatless Mondays, taco Tuesdays, one pot wonder Wednesdays. So you have a theme and that gives you a little bit of structure, but then you can be creative within that theme. So if it's taco Tuesdays, maybe you're having tacos, maybe you're having nachos, maybe you're having burritos, maybe you're having enchiladas. So that's that's sort of the camper system. And that's that's my sister-in-law. Okay. See, see, we all know somebody who's a camper. And he's saying breakfast for dinner. Exactly. There are lots of great themes you can throw in there. And if that system works for you, that is amazing. For some people, you need to have, I find, a little bit of comfort in the kitchen. You need to be able to have that flexibility to be able to say, oh, yeah, it's sandwich Thursday. And so we're going to have burgers or we're going to have club sandwiches. Like you need to be able to be flexible in that. So that's the camper. The third system is the batcher. So this is the person who can spend a couple of hours on the weekend or maybe once a month stocking the freezer, you know, and So great for people who truly have no time in the week. So you get home from work, you need to be eating within five minutes, right? So you really, but you need to be able to find that time that you can prepare for the week. A lot of potential pitfalls in that one, but for people who it works for, it's terrific. Now I'll tell you who that reminds me of is is a woman who does, I think it's called the family freezer. Yes, there are lots of, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. And she has it all pre-prepared and she stands on a Sunday and gets it all done. God bless yeah. her. There's a part of me that wants to do a part of that uh-huh. and have like 
would that be my plan B? So have yes, that's actually the plan C. I'm going to give you the plan B and the plan C. So there's right. a part of that which is my plan C. C. And I really envision that I would have, and I used to, and I've gotten a little out of this habit, some soups and some stews and some things yeah. that are ready. Now the way she does mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. she pre preps it, freezes it, and then puts it in the slow cooker the morning of. Mm-hmm. So you bring it out of the freezer mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you put it in the slow cooker the morning of. How mm-hmm. I did it was I had already cooked it, and then would have it in the freezer ready to go and, yeah. you know, just add rice and a vegetable. I'm making yeah. that up, but you get the idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have something that's probably even easier than that. I mean, even less intensive, but that's the type three. So we got the classic, the camper, the bachelor type four is the semi. I'm a semi. I think you're a semi. So the semi likes to have a couple of meals planned for the week, but not every single meal. Mm-hmm. And so you can be flexible. So you have some meals that you have planned and you have the groceries in for that. But on the other, like maybe I wake up, maybe, you know, you wake up this morning, you're like, you know what? I didn't have time to pick up the fresh fish or, uh, oh my gosh, I've got that head of kale and it needs to be eaten today, not in three days. So you have a bit of flexibility there. So that's the semi. And because some people, most people come out as being the semi who take my classes and who take the quiz because it's enough structure with enough flexibility that you never feel like you're failing. And at the same time, you always feel like you have a plan to lean on. So it's a really nice kind of middle ground. And I want to say something really important here. I just want to take one little phrase out. You just said, never feel like you're failing. Yeah. You know, we got plenty of opportunities to feel like we're failing. The last thing we need is to feel like we're failing in getting dinner on the table. Definitely not. I mean, if worse comes to worse, you can have cereal. Like it's okay. You know, and then you try again tomorrow. I had cereal for lunch yesterday. (laughs) Exactly. I just couldn't just like it was it was yogurt and syrup, granola and um, raspberries because I just thought delicious. I don't feel like making lunch and we hadn't gone to the grocery yet, so we didn't have any salads here. And I just thought yeah. quick, yeah. easy, exactly. mostly healthy, close enough. Uh, I think anything that you make yourself is homemade, so or is healthy, so you're good. So the fifth system is called the wing nut, and I think we've all been wing nuts at some point in our time. There are happy wing nuts and there are unhappy wing nuts. Happy wing nuts, they've just got a pantry full of different options. They feel comfortable cooking on the fly. It's kind of great, I find, for young couples who don't have kids yet. They don't mind eating at 10 o'clock because they decided to cook something. They don't mind going out to the grocery store for a last-minute ingredient. Once you have kids in your life, that system, you become an unhappy wing nut, which means the pantry's full of food and you got nothing to eat and no time to cook and no ideas and you just fall down on the floor and start to cry. So those are, those are the five systems. Uh, classic camper batcher semi and wing nut. Now I will say that there are two backup plans that I mentioned that everybody needs to have, regardless of what your type is. Number one is what I call back pocket dinner. And it is and then again, back pocket, back pocket dinner, back pocket dinner. dinner. It's a Pardon back me. pocket dinner. And a back pocket dinner is something that you can cook in very little time from what's already in your fridge, freezer and pantry. And so I actually specialize in this. I do a whole course on back pocket dinners. I teach a new back pocket dinner every month to my people. So I have a collection. I'm happy to offer you a free collection of back pocket dinners. And this is like, okay, maybe you've got a can of chickpeas in the pantry. You know, it's going to sit there. It's never going to go bad. Maybe you've got some long lasting vegetables in the fridge, like celery, onions, those sorts of things that are always around. They never go bad. Mix that together with a couple of condiments, turn it into dinner. And that is a back pocket dinner. So it leans on those long lasting staples that you can always have on hand. It's still delicious. It's still healthy. And you're still getting all the benefits of a home cooked dinner without stressing and without falling down on the floor crying. 
Okay, so I want to take that back pocket dinner for a sec here, okay? Yeah. Because yesterday I bought, because it's about me. (laughs) (laughs) So yesterday I purchased a box, a plastic box, filled with pre-chopped vegetables. And it's the things you would expect. Zucchini, cauliflower, etc. And now you're saying put some chickpeas or other people may call them garbanzo beans. So I just want to throw that out there. What would you add when you say condiments? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. to me, I would probably go olive oil and a bunch of fresh herbs from my garden. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or even some dried spices. Or even with your, if you're doing something like roasting vegetables, I think the best thing you can do is just add oil and salt mm. and let them be their own good selves. And I do think roasting is a fantastic way to bring out the best in any vegetable, whether it's a sweet pepper, an onion, or a piece of squash. Yeah, so the the idea with the back pocket dinner is you can use what you've got and turn it into dinner, which means that you're saving money, you're wasting less food, you're eating home-cooked food, you're saving time, all the good stuff that happens around having a home-cooked meal. That is brilliant. And I have to tell you, sometimes I force myself, I say, all right, you got to eat stuff in this pantry. Let's go. Yeah. And then we just start creating dinners based Mm -hmm. on the pantry. And so you've given me a bright idea for tonight because... Well, probably it'll be for tomorrow night because I'm the <laughs> one who hasn't picked up the fish yet. There you go. <laughs> True story. <laughs> the truth comes out. So right now, tonight, I have the ground pork ready to make pork burgers that we're going to be tomorrow night. But see, I'm that person that's semi. So mm-hmm. fish will be tomorrow night, which means what would taste amazing with fish? Those chopped vegetables with garbanzo beans would be yeah. delicious. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I like so that nice idea. That's combining a, yeah. like the fresh yeah. with the pantry. That's right. It sounds like you feel you have a nice comfort level with cooking, which is such a it's it's a great thing to have. And it can help you to cook on the fly. But for a lot of people, a lot of the students who come to my classes, they don't have that level of comfort with cooking. And the other thing is, and we've already talked about this in our conversation, is they have this expectation that dinner has to be a certain thing. It has to, you know, First of all, it has to be served on a plate or it's got to be meat with vegetables and carbohydrates or it's got to be all these different things. And so, so many, I get so many emails when I run my classes and people say, you know what, you change the way I think about dinner. Right. Dinner doesn't have to be that 1950s model of what it should look like. Dinner can be a grilled cheese sandwich and a sliced tomato. You know, dinner can be chickpeas that you mix up with the vegetables that you've got in your fridge and enjoy it. So it's about breaking those expectations, changing those expectations. Also forgiving yourself. It's not supposed to be, you know, five-star gourmet every night of the week. And then for me, it's always leaning on that motivation, which is what are the benefits that I get from having dinner, cooking dinner for myself and sitting down and having dinner with the people in my life. Right. So I'm going to start with this. Last night, Mm -hmm. we're we're at the pool with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law. And the original plan was fish last night. And that didn't work out because I have some fennel, fresh fennel from my garden. Mm. And so I said, well, we'll just do chicken with fennel and lemon and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yes. And I have been cooking for 30 something years. So I'm (laughs) highly comfortable in the kitchen. I almost never, if I use a recipe, I'm just kind of going, you know, I may just substitute some things out (laughs) and I am going to come back to the people who are not. So please don't take this the wrong way. Anyone who's listening who's like, oh my God, she's a cook. Just hang tight. I'm coming back to you. So last night, my daughter contacts me at like eight o'clock at night. She's like, I'm starving. And I'm like, well, girl, there are frozen pizzas in the fridge, <laughs> you know, in the freezer, go get one out. Because I always keep, and these are the nice ones that come from Stu Leonard's, which is a store near us and they make their own pizzas. So I buy three at a time in a plastic thing 
and she pulls one out and she can put it in the freezer. She can put it in the oven and cook it for herself. And, you know, that's not quite a pocket meal, but it's similar concepts. So Mm -hmm. she's got that plan B. She decided she was going to hold out for the chicken and the rice pilaf that we were bringing home for her. But in the meantime, I called her back and I said, wait a minute, dad, just remind me. He had made pulled chicken, like barbecue style sandwiches with some shredded cheese. And I said, in the meantime, if you're really hungry, grab one of those out of the fridge. So we're really good about always keeping something. And you know, you have a 10 year old, I have a 17 year old really good about always keeping something that's quick and easy that you could grab to eat because we are those semi people. We sometimes just mm-hmm. end up, I mean, we're having fun at the pool. We don't want to come home yeah. and she's by herself. And I don't want her to feel like, God, mom and dad don't feed me. But you know, also there's a little bit of, Hey, you can manage yourself, go open the fridge and see what's in there. So we're in that age. Yeah. Now let's go to the people who are not great cooks, don't love to cook. One of the things I found most fascinating is some of my friends who have really locked into things like HelloFresh, mm-hmm. where they're bringing these meals in that are pre-done and you mm-hmm. just follow all the steps and mm-hmm. you go forward. Mm-hmm. I learned to cook by watching my mother. I didn't even notice really. Mm-hmm. And then when the time came in my 20s, I'd be calling her like every other night. <laughs> how long do I roast these potatoes for? And you know, all these things. Yeah. yeah. And that's really how I learned to cook. Yeah. I never really took a cooking lesson. I just, mm-hmm. I just tried things and failed. Mm-hmm. And I didn't fail as often as I succeeded. Mm-hmm. And when I failed, and I'll never forget this, a girlfriend came over and whatever I had cooked was just a disaster. And we ordered a pizza. Yeah. You know, you, you got to just kind <laughs> yeah. of roll with it. Yeah. Dinner doesn't have to be something set. My mom, did breakfast for dinner for us mm-hmm. as kids. We loved it. Mm-hmm. My dad isn't really a pizza guy. So on a night he was away on a business trip, we knew that was going to be pizza night or taco night because he wasn't much into tacos either. So it was really like the nights he was gone were really fun because we could like try some different kinds of foods. So there's that. So I think if you're just starting out and you're just learning to cook, cook, don't be afraid to fail. Like what's the worst that happens? You know, open a can of soup from the pantry. <laughs> Nobody's going to, hopefully, I mean, I don't want to be too out there, but I mean, for the most part, I think most of my listeners aren't going to starve. They got something in the pantry that they can manage to cook and eat. Yeah. Yeah. And then let's be gracious to those who don't. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So what other pointers do you have? This is so fun. Right. Okay. So I talked about that. So that first backup plan is the back pocket dinner. And so that the, those are super important. Then the second backup plan is what I call doing favors to your future self. So this is where you take that little tiny cue from the bachelor who has the freezer stocked with all kinds of things. But instead of having to take a bunch of hours on a Sunday afternoon or, you know, prep everything, which to me ends up feeling like I get bored of it. I forget about it in the freezer. I forget to take it out of the freezer and thaw it, you know, and then it's like, okay, well, this is not helping me at all. And we got to remember that things don't last forever in the freezer. You know, it's not like you don't have a year with most things. In fact, you have a lot less. So what I call doing a favor to your future self, it's when you're cooking something anyway, and it takes about the same amount of time and energy to cook, say, a quadruple batch as opposed to a single batch. Right. And so you do the quadruple, you eat one of them tonight, and you put the rest in the freezer. So I have some four favors to your future self that I love to do. One of them is whole grains. Whenever I'm cooking something like barley, brown rice, wheat berries, I love whole grains. Turn them into grain bowls, turn them into modern fried rice, you know, turn them into salads. Love a grain, especially in the summer. 
but really all year round. So if I'm cooking brown rice, instead of just cooking enough for dinner tonight, I cook enough for four times as much and then I freeze the rest of it. So then I have that building block. So it's not just one thing that I have to eat again and again and again. It's the same flavor. No, but it is the thing that takes the most time to cook. So brown rice takes about 40 minutes to cook, right? Right. But if I have brown rice in the freezer, I can take it out. I can thaw it super quick in the microwave or even just by pouring a kettle of water over it. Then I can turn that into a grain bowl. I can turn that into a fried rice. I can turn it into dinner with the scraps that I have left over. You know, that half a pepper at the back of the crisper, that piece of broccoli that I didn't know when I was going to eat. I can turn that into dinner. You want to hear something shocking? Oh, yeah. What? At Trader Joe's, you can buy three rice packets at a time and you literally put them in the microwave for three minutes. Oh, yeah, for sure. You pull them out from the freezer. Yes. Or I buy those packaged ones that you can put in the microwave for a minute and a half, two minutes. Yes. I hate to say it, but I've really gotten to that point in my life. I don't want to be waiting 40 minutes for the rice unless I'm doing something special like I'm doing. Totally. An Asian style dish and I want sticky rice or, you know, that kind of thing. But this is the thing. This And that's why I find if I can find those pockets of time. So if I'm cooking the rice anyway and I can make just like it takes no more time, no more energy, nothing. And rice and grains and beans, those are all things that freeze yeah. absolutely beautifully because you don't want so to like be freezing chili the wrong is a things. big one for me. Right. Yeah. If I'm so making you don't a chili yeah. or I'm making some kind of yeah. a stew and it and another thing I do is um if it's something that you put over rice, you put over noodles, I cook the thing separately with the grain out. Yes. Freeze it with the grain out so the yeah. grain doesn't get mushy. Now some yeah. grains freeze great. But yeah. some don't like yeah, pasta like really pasta doesn't freeze doesn't, well. Doesn't freeze well at all. That's so, why I like the whole grains. Whole grains right. freeze so nicely. Yeah. Potatoes don't freeze well. Nope. So Most vegetables, sadly, like, especially if they're cooked. Yeah. Right. So if you can just take that one element out, yeah. cook it to the side, and then freeze the thing, and then just write a little thing on the top of the freezer container that mm-hmm. says like add potatoes. Exactly. Or, I'm a well, big fan so, of the yeah. uh, Sharpie pen. Oh, yes. It's a, a, yeah, freezer bags and Sharpie pens are, I call them essential kitchen equipment because I, so I do run these. So I have a, like a core favors to your future self class. And then we do these live quarterly cook-alongs where we actually do take that Sunday afternoon and we stock the freezer, but it's all, everything's got the Sharpie and it's like, how to use it, what to add. I'm in on that, Claire. I'm in. They're great. (laughs) Okay. You got it. They're great. I need that accountability. I need someone to say, you're going to take this Sunday and you're going to do this. That's exactly why people love it. They love the accountability because it's, as we all know, when things that can be done anytime, they can often get done at no time, right? So when you make a date with me and the other people who are in the class, you take a Sunday afternoon, like I said, we do three hours. I'm a chef, so I tell you exactly what to do when. So, okay, we're starting the water now. We're moving on to this recipe now. So you just follow along. By the end of those classes, um, you've got 60 meals in your freezer. 60? 60 meals. Yep. How do you have room? I'm going to have to clear out my freezer. Well, actually, one of the things we do is first is we clear out the freezer. But the way I <laughs> I freeze things, I call it a flat pack. Yeah. And so then uh, you freeze it flat so it maximizes the space. And you, right. you essentially just file the packages in your uh, freezer like magazines. Right. And right. so they don't take us up as much. I mean, I go deep into like the best types of freezer containers and what right. types of things actually freeze well and how to freeze flat and all that stuff. It's a good way of maximizing your freezer space because I'm the same way. I, you know, stuff goes in there, or at least it used to be stuff would go into my freezer. And then I wouldn't find it because I couldn't see it because it was blocked up with so many other things. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a biggie. 
It's I find one. stuff in the back of the freezer. I'm like, well, is this from 1999 yeah. or okay. what? <laughs> and so you got the Sharpie to write the date. When my, uh, years ago, my aunt had passed away and we were, my mom and I were cleaning out her house and we had to deal with her. She died suddenly. We had to deal with her chest freezer. Wow. And we found stuff in there. We figure must have been decades old. Decades old. Oh, don't leave that burden to your children, people. Get no. clear out your freezer. Yeah. Well, clear out your freezer and the other is your pantry. And I really yes. do bring someone in once a year and we go through the pantry yeah. because I want to make sure mm. I try also now I'm big. It takes more time. It's a pain in the neck. I'm going to just be honest. But when I put the bean cans in the pantry, I push them a little forward. I put the new ones behind yeah. because so the, yeah, I know that I'm not yeah. going to eat it if it's not right in front. Old stuff. Oh, in yeah. Front. And I have um, I have a class. Uh, it's actually a three week course to talk about accountability. So for some of my students, they really do want that accountability. So it's called the three week tenor fix. And it is literally the first thing we do. And it's the only thing we do together live is we get on live. And we do the fridge, the freezer, and the pantry together. Yeah. And it's, again, it's like, you got to show up. And I want the before and after shots. And <laughs> I get all the questions like, hey, Clara, we actually always award a prize for the oldest condiment found at the back of the fridge. And we, I've got this ranch dressing. I can't tell you if I got it before the pandemic or not. Anyway, out it goes and you get a prize. So we go through because it's so true. Exactly what you say. If you can't see it, you can't cook it. And if you yeah. can't see it, you don't know it's there. And we are all just sitting on this. You think of it like an asset, like a financial asset. You think of all the money that is yep. in that pantry, that is in that fridge, that is in that freezer. Especially now when we think about, you know, the cost of living, especially the cost of groceries is just going up and up and up. Don't sit on that. Yeah. Eat it. <laughs> Eat it instead. I even went to the point where snacks were getting so overwhelming. So my daughter's home a lot and she's a teenager mm -hmm. and she wants snacks that I designated a separate cabinet for it. Great, great Just idea. In mm -hmm. one cabinet and then she, mm -hmm. she knows where it is and she can get it. And yeah. actually you'll find this interesting having a younger child. When we did our kitchen and designed it and laid it out, I remember I love to cook. I also was an interior designer. So I, <laughs> I kind of like have some of the knowledge. And one of the things I said, was I wanted to have her have access to her. She was little. She was about six years old. Yeah. Her own dishes and a little mini fridge with snacks that she could have any time. Mm -hmm. So I set that up in one section of the kitchen away from the work triangle. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know what a work triangle is, the work triangle is the stove, oven, the sink, and the fridge. Those They are supposed to, in a design, make a triangle. Okay. So I put them on the other end, closer to where we eat. And she knew that anytime she was hungry, she could go into that little mini fridge and get a snack. Yeah. And so there were things like little applesauces and cheese sticks. And right now I can tell you, I still have them. So mm. in there is some pita crackers with hummus. It's a little different now because we, we use it more now like a coffee fridge because he's 17. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. out of the big yeah, big family first. now. Yeah, but when she was little, <laughs> yeah. you know, there were like juice boxes. There were yeah. all these things that she yeah. could just access really quickly. Yeah, and I never wanted her. And every family is different. So look, if you're not running this this way or your family, that's totally fine. But I was of the belief that when you're hungry, you eat. Mm. And I didn't want her to grow up with you only have three square a day, and that's that. Mm -hmm. And she's mm -hmm. a grazer. Mm -hmm. So. Crazing couldn't just be Oreos and chips. It mm, needed mm -hmm. cheese yeah. and 
Yeah, yeah. More you need more round that out. Totally. It's gonna graze a winner to graze on yeah, relatively healthy things with an occasional cookie thrown in. Okay. I mean, in fairness. So I just honored it. I was like, if you want a snack at the end of the day, and I work, yeah, then you can just go and grab a snack. And I Mm -hmm. knew that a little container of applesauce wasn't gonna wreck dinner. And so what if it did? Yeah. It was applesauce. Mm -hmm. I wanted her to really grow up eating when she was hungry, not eating for the 7 million reasons that are wrong for eating, mm-hmm. many of which I'm guilty of. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting you say that because I just finished, I do, I run two virtual kids cooking camps through the summer and they are specifically for 11 to 14 year olds because I really feel like that's the age when they can be independent in the kitchen. Yep. So it's, uh, so they're for 11 to 14 year olds and with no parental supervision. And one of the things I teach on the first day is how to make basically a one egg breakfast sandwich. Because I think if you can scramble an egg and toast yourself an English muffin, throw in whatever you want, ham, tomato, cheese, pickle, whatever you want. But if you can make yourself an egg on toast, you're never going to be hungry a day in your life, right? Like it's such a fantastic, and it's a skill that, gosh, I wish they taught kids to cook in school. They don't anymore where I live. And I, I just feel like it's a life skill that we need. You need it more than driving. You need it as much as you need CPR. Like you need right. to know this skill because if you can make yourself a scrambled egg and toast, honestly, it's the first thing I had after my son was actually literally born. I had a scrambled yeah. egg on toast because it's just, it's such a great little skill to have. And then, so that's one of the, that's one of my favorite things to teach the kids um, is how to just be able to feed yourself a snack when you're hungry because you're human and that's allowed. I taught her knife skills when she was about seven. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily the school she went to, they actually did do things in the kitchen. Oh, isn't that awesome. Ugh. A kitchen that valued um farm to table. Yeah. Wow. So that's they so would special. expose them to how to work in a kitchen, et cetera. And yeah. I remember going to the chef at the school and saying, I really want to teach her knife school skills. And yeah. he said, we'll buy this kind of a glove. And it was like a glove that, um, yeah. One of those was, mesh ones. Yeah. 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 And frankly, she graduated from that very, very quickly, yeah. but you know, the yeah. first one or two times, and I watched her like a hawk the first couple yeah. times I didn't leave her a knife and walk out of the kitchen, but I watched her until she got comfortable. And I can't remember what we started with something really easy to cut. Mm. You know, onions can kind of slide. They're difficult, et cetera. I know we're talking about kids and we're not supposed to be, but that's okay. It's all part of meal planning. It's all part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'll say on this, and I'm sure you'll reiterate it as well, is if we get our kids involved in the cooking process, they're more likely to eat. Honestly, I am so glad you said that because, so I told you, I just finished running this camp uh, last week. I get emails every day from the parents of the kids in these classes. And they say something like, my child never ate eggs before. My child never ate tomatoes before. My child never ate X before. Every day I get emails from parents saying, because he or she made it his, him or herself, they were curious about it. And, you know, it's easy for us to hear that as parents. And we're so busy, you know, I don't know, but like, I'm, if I'm trying to get dinner on the table, this is not a time to be teaching my son how to cut an onion. Like, I'm just like, I just oh, gotta get amen. dinner on the table, right? Amen. But I can tell you that it is true. And that's why I love 11 to 14 year olds because they are looking for that creativity. They're looking to be independent. They're looking to contribute to the world. And so when we can teach them how to cook for themselves and for their families, the independence, the pride and the confidence allows them to eat so many different things. So yeah, the picky eating situation can evaporate once the kids learn how to cook. I remember being in that age range and like, 
I'm going to cook you guys lunch. And she'd get <laughs> out these quesadillas and put them in the pan and put shredded yeah. cheese and we'd have quesadillas and we'd be ooing and aahing and how yeah. great they were. Yeah. But Crystal, like, oh, grilled cheese. Oh, whatever. Whatever. It didn't whatever. matter. The point was she was you did it stove. yourself. She was yeah. doing things. Yeah. And, and I really think it's so important. I mean, she has this really varied palate. I'm very mm-hmm. blessed. And I think it's probably because I've always served different kinds of foods. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was even the mom who pureed the food so that she could eat real. <laughs> I, well, I got to tell you, I, we did the same thing and I have a picky eater. So I think it, it, so you it just really never depends. Know. You never know. <laughs> never know. Claire, it's so funny. I would like be midnight. I was just mm. utterly exhausted. I'm sitting there like pureeing and putting in the freezer, these little cubes of food. So it was nuts, but it's just what I wanted to do. I think it's really important. Our listeners know, like there's no right way or wrong mm-hmm. way. There's five kinds of meal planning types. Yeah. That's a lot of types. Yeah. And I would say that the most important thing is to do something, is to plan something. So even if you feel like this is overwhelming, I can't possibly meal plan. I got too much on the go. Plan one meal. Mm. Make it Taco Tuesdays. You know what? Or make it Pizza Fridays. Whatever it is, plan one meal. And I find that there's a nice snowball effect. I like to use snowballs because I'm Canadian. But like once you kind of get the sense of how much relief you and your person get from having that one meal plan so that it's two o'clock on Tuesday and you're like, what the heck is for dinner? Oh, it's taco Tuesdays. All that stress just disappears. It evaporates. And so that's where you've been like, okay, you know what? I maybe I'm going to plan one more meal for the mm-hmm. So just do something. Something is better than nothing, especially as we all get back into school and you know, some a lot of people going back into the office getting back into those much more structured routines, if you can just throw yourself a little bit of structure, a little tiny bit of help, it will pay dividends in terms of your daily stress level. Absolutely life-changing. Yeah. yeah. And take a course with Claire. So please, please how do. can people yeah. find you? How can they access some of yes. these courses? So first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the collection, free collection of back pocket dinners. So you can download that from your show notes or however you like to share those sorts of things. You can find me at learn.clairetansy.com. And that is where you can find all of my upcoming classes. I run a free de-stress dinner challenge in September. It's five days, 20 minutes a day. Dinner feels so much easier. And then I have lots of courses and they are all available right there, whether it's the teens classes or the back pocket dinners or the favors to your future self. They are all there. Of course, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Tansy Claire. And yeah. You can find me all sorts of different ways, but I would love to send you to learn.clairetansy.com. And that is the best place to see all of my classes coming up. I'm excited about this. I think it's fun. I'm telling you, I'm taking a batching class. Oh, you're going to love it. I tell you, we could, because I have uh, I've had hundreds of students go through this and I'll get messages saying, hey, when's the next one? <laughs> my screen is starting to look a little bit empty. So yeah, it's it's a really good time. And I got to tell you, as much as I love teaching it, I love doing it because then I've got the stuff get in the freezer too. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that's the fun thing about doing these virtual classes is that you're using your own equipment. You're using your own kitchen. It's your own freezer. You don't have to cart everything back and forth. And it, I just find it, it sort of just gels a little bit better when you're doing it in your own kitchen. I love that, Claire. Thanks so much. Yeah. I'm so glad you were here to help us meal plan. Me too. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey, happy cooking. Life is complicated. Cooking doesn't have to be. Love it. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. 
I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.